Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. In this episode, I feature Leslie Smith III, an oil painter best known for his abstractions painted on shaped canvases. In 2022, he was a Joan Mitchell Foundation Fellow. He earned a BFA at the Maryland Institute College of Art and an MFA at the Yale School of Art. He has exhibited nationally and internationally, and his work has been exhibited in several museums, including the Madison Museum of Contemporary Art in Madison, Wisconsin, Contemporary Arts Museum in Houston, the Yale School of Art, the Baltimore Museum of Art, amongst others. His work can be found in the permanent collections of the High Museum of Art in Atlanta, the Virginia Museum of Fine Art, the Birmingham Museum of Art, the FRAC Auvergne in France, to name a few. Leslie lives and works in Madison, Wisconsin, and is a full-time professor of painting and drawing at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Enjoy this episode featuring Leslie Smith III and visit CerebralWomen.com for his expanded bio. Leslie, welcome to my podcast. I'm excited to feature you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to get the invitation and to be welcomed on the show. And I'm looking forward to our discussion. Thank you. Thank you. We'll dive right in. So when did you discover your artistic passion? You know, I've always been creative or dwelling with, amongst creatives. My father's a photographer. I grew up with an appreciation of art and museums. Growing up in Washington, D.C. with access to free museums and AC during the summer. And uh, it was, I think, the turning point for me was maybe in high school. Up until that point, I'd been playing classical and jazz piano. And it occurred to me that I appreciated practicing and that the act of performing was, I mean, had no issue with it. It just wasn't as exciting for me as getting lost in trying to master something, to craft something. And at that same point, I was painting and drawing and whatnot. And when I would arrive at the end of a painting, it felt really great. And um, I was just like, this is the jam. This is the place that I want to problem solve. This is the place where I want to execute this energy. And so the path just opened from there. Do you recall if there was a particular body of work or an artist who influenced you? I think there's all types of movements and artists that were influential to me in times. But I think if I were to, to reflect on 
kind of grand moments of, you know, let's say awakening or where, where the tides shifted and I shifted my approach to making, I would say that that's that happens with artists, that happens with literature, that happens with all types of stuff. And I think most notably, you know, if I were to look back, it would be a moment in graduate school. One of our kind of intro to graduate studies courses was taught by the late Greg Tate. And he approached critical inquiry in that class through music, which was a language I was super familiar with, and opened up the gates to me understanding the importance of how we utilize our material, how we empower our material to communicate ideas and the practice that's necessary in order to generate that. That practice is its own art form and that what disseminates from that practice, the result of that research and that very curated process that we craft as artists, some of us in the studio, is just as important as the aesthetic outcome. And that was a seminal moment for me as an artist. How did your art professors impact your work and your practice? And as a teacher of young minds yourself, do you reflect back and try to make sure that you give them the type of guidance that you received, the correct guidance? Yeah, I think what was most important to me in terms of engagement and inspiration from previous faculty or teachers is that they they posed things as questions. They didn't offer up solutions. They kind of held back their prescriptions to elements of concern that they might have found or their inquiry into the work. And in, in lieu of that, they presented a disposition that really cut to the core of me understanding and defining for myself what it was that I might have wanted to achieve and to fortify the ability to strengthen that skill set, to be able to clarify for yourself, you know, what, what is the reason? What is the purpose? What is, why, why are we doing this? Why are you doing this? Why are you interested in this? And this being whatever the content is, right? And then work backwards from that point and trying to identify how do we get the work to speak to that or to communicate to that with knowing what you know already, which then affords you the opportunity to, to identify whatever blind spots you have, which can chart your next steps into what you might inquire about to strengthen your ability to be successful in that self-clarifying endeavor. And so in short, it's like, I think some of the best teachers for me have tried really hard not to leave their own footsteps and to kind of create a scaffolding that supports me figuring it out on my own. And I really do take that to heart when I work with undergraduates and graduates here at UW-Madison. It's very important to me to get a good grasp of of what I think the student is after and to position questions in such a way that creates a good sense of supportive critical inquiry. I like that. At, At what point did you realize that you were favoring being an abstract painter versus a figurative painter? That moment came at the expense of trying to understand why I was kind of hitting a wall with my figurative painting. And that the wall was almost self-built. I almost built the hurdle myself based on the questions I was asking myself. And at that time, this, this would be back in 2007, 2008. The questions I was asking myself in the studio was, is it possible to communicate emotive sensibilities through paint, 
through imagery, through figuration, that doesn't elicit my or any potential viewer's baggage as being relative to what I'm trying to communicate. And two years of painting through that issue netted me a series of works of which the figure was almost non-existent because there's so many biases and so much baggage that, that, that we carry that reflect how we choose to understand or enter into a visual experience or any experience for that matter. And trying to get at the core of a emotive sensibility or the complexity of, of, of how we feel about things, scenarios, narratives, became more paramount than the figures or spaces or objects that in previous paintings bared meaning for me that I would use as icons or you know signifiers, if you will. And, and through that kind of portal, I found myself working with color, composition, and shapes as kind of the motivating uh, factors to creating works about angst, to creating work about sorrow, creating work about excitement. And it was a bit of a liberating moment because I'd, I'd always appreciated abstraction and loved it, but never felt like I had a place there for a myriad of reasons, both culturally and kind of conceptually, because most of my work, all of my work up to that point had been very much in the history of image making and painting of figures. And so when I found that little window of, wait, wait a second, I'm, I'm thinking along these ideas of abstraction and it's sincere. It's not based merely on formal desires. That was the moment where I was like, okay, I, I, I'm gonna give myself permission to do this. And while you're working, do you think about who your audience is and if they understand the work? Yes and no. Sometimes just for the sake of problem solving, it can be helpful to kind of identify who's sitting across from you in a discussion. And in, in that sense, I do think about audience. But I don't think about the audience as it relates to whether or not the work is communicating something specific and effectively and that the validity in that is in a potential audience's understanding of it. Because I, I do think that everyone brings their own motivation to work and they're going to glean from it what they want and what they're ready to at, at any given time. So in the studio, in terms of how I make a painting, similar to how anyone might prepare for a debate, for example, and you want to think about, well, who's on the other side of this conversation, on this discourse, and what might be the things that they want to read into this work? And, and it becomes a, a bit of a mind game, kind of a quiet debate or, you know, discourse, not necessarily anything argumentative, but just running through ideas. And that can help facilitate decision-making and help facilitate finding purposeful reasons for doing things, employing different colors or employing different painting processes. But I think historically, the notion that artists might think of an audience can be a, a bit problematic, you know, because who's in that audience? Why are they there? Who's more importantly, who's not in that audience, right? And so I think for me, I, I dwell a lot in just trying to think about my work as being multi-layered and that I do want and desire a certain level of engagement to exist in, in, in the work with someone else. And I do feel that it that is possible to create that very baseline of engagement. And sometimes it's very, it's just a physical response. 
you know, you can create a work of art that draws people in and makes them slow down. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to communicate to them all the things that were important to you in the making of that work. You can, I think, make a work of art that has people kept at a distance in order to really view it and understand it. And somehow or another, that becomes an allegory for a narrative or conceptual desire that's embedded in the reasoning for you making the work. And so, yes, I do think about the audience, but I don't, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> and what do you know when a work is finished? I, it does something that I haven't seen myself do before. You know, I think about resolve and finish as being kind of two different things. And I mean, I, I can only speak for myself as an artist, but I, I think all works that I work on reach resolve where all aspects of it have been considered. You know, there's not one inch of that canvas or drawing or what have you that hasn't been critically considered. However, it being finished is a total different thing. And, and that, for me, relies on artistic intentions and if those intentions were met. And I think it's a consistent volley between, okay, I'm finished with this painting and that it's resolved and I can't work on it anymore and I finished this idea. You know, and it's really speaking to me through this work. And so I think through a body of work, there are going to be works for any artist that are meet the threshold of being finished and representing the true intentions of, of that artist for the artist. And there are going to be some that are resolved and result in tons of readings, but deep down maybe was one step toward finishing and concluding that idea. And when did the titles of the work enter the creative process? For me, it, 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 it ranges. You know, sometimes I get an idea for a title and I say, well, that's, 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 pretty, that's pretty good. I need to make a painting <laughs> that's, that, that can reach the level of that title. You know, that would be a game changer. <laughs> so there's, 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 there's those moments. And then there's the, oh, man, I don't have a title for this painting yet because I can't, I just can't wrap my hands around, you know, what, what it is that's the most important about this, you know, assuming that those titles are, for some, the gateway into the work. And so then it's like last minute and it exists as a description of sorts. It creates some type of hierarchical resonance between what you might want people to think about first when they look at that work. And then there's, a, there's what happens in the middle. And so I think all those represent different ways that I title the work in terms of the process of how I title the work. But I think t the titles for me come from excerpts. They're excerpts of, of text, songs, lyrics, movies, you know plays. I, I enjoy literature, and I believe that there are more people out there that say things in better ways than I can. And if they get to the meat of it, and I, whatever it is, it being the content of the painting, that I, I want to, you know, kind of borrow that, appropriate it, retool it a touch, and then use that as maybe a tool for creating that lens that viewers have the potential to look through. So I think titles are important in that regard. And are there concepts or thoughts that connect the work? Oh, absolutely. The show that I, that I have up currently at Chart Gallery in New York City is titled Reaching for Something High. And it is really a collection of paintings that are the results of, I'd say, about five years of figuring out how to collapse relatively accessible abstract modalities onto themselves in a way that creates a sense of harmony as, an, as a bit of an allegory 
to how I personally appreciate the discussion of how we deal with indifference and otherness. And so there are themes that, that run through the work in terms of the work collectively working together to create some greater conceptual exchange. But that aside, the works, at least for me, from my vantage, are very individual and tell their own story and chisel out their own aesthetic space within the world of abstraction. What materials do you use in your work? At the moment, I'm primarily using oil paint. I'm fascinated with that stuff. I'm addicted to the stuff. And I mean, this new way of working for me that's represented in the show has really pushed me into embracing some other processes with other materials like acrylics, sewn material, stained material, thinking about painting as textile and what it means to make a painting deconstructed and then make it again without adding any more paint to the equation. And so I guess by default, it's oil on canvas, but it's really a deconstructed oil painting that's been reassembled. And so there's a good amount of new ideas and I I hate the the insider painter studio term, but slippage, I can't think of another word right now. Uh, The slippage between material specificity and process don't align. And so those types of blurred lines is something that that I've become very interested in as it relates to the material as of late. I also work with graphite and I've been doing some very interesting things with industrial felt. There's something pretty unique about that stuff that I'm attracted to and I'm trying to figure out how to communicate what it it is about it that I'm attracted to, uh, to folks through my works on paper. Do you listen to music while you're working? I do. It was It's a weird exchange. I, I went from really being involved as a, a pianist to just appreciating other folks that have th- the same passion for their craft as musicians as I do for making art. And so there are times of the process where music is merely just there to fill the void. And then there are times where I embrace the void, right? And where silence and really being okay with being alone and in the moment is paramount. And then there are times where I'm active listening in the studio, dialed into that LP and just living with the work and just trying to get from it was needed to elevate that work to the next level. And so there's a lot of music. I love music. I love <laughs> I love stereo equipment. And so, uh, yes, it's a bit of a hobby and a habit at the same time. Do you feel black art can be defined? I don't think it can be, but somehow it is. And I think therein lies the issue. I think for some, black art can and is very definitively defined. And I think that is extremely problematic and might sit at the intersection of almost why I make my work. Not what I make my work about, but why I make it. And to speak to us, I guess an earlier question about abstraction, I think abstraction becomes the best catalyst for me to have that conversation because it is ubiquitous. It's It, it moves, it morphs, it's almost at times unattainable. As the definition, quote unquote, of black art should be. Something that isn't attainable, something that isn't a thing that art is art and that many people make art. And so I think under certain lenses, it can be defined 
And I personally just take issue with, with that as a thing. What are you excited about right now? Right now, I'm excited about the show because it feels like a, like a true finish. Reaching for something high has been the product of a lot of work, a lot of hours. And that work has netted an amazing amount of questions. And I am so excited about working through these things and kind of starting over again. And it's not starting from scratch. It's starting from some place that I've kind of parked my ideas to conclude and finish and tighten things up. But I think right now I'm, I'm most excited about the new work that's happening in the studio, the new shapes, what I'm asking of abstraction right now that I don't think I've asked of abstraction in the past to achieve. And it's not scary, as uncertain as some of these gestures are, I'm excited for their outcome. Love that. What do you feel is the purpose of art? I think the purpose of art is to communicate. It sits, in my mind, right next to, adjacent to literature, to music, both visual and performing arts. Um, all of these things are, I think, about communicating something and that there are certain things that are just too challenging to communicate through language, right, through text, or maybe they can be, but they're not efficient in how they impact the lives of others. And I think for me, the visual arts becomes this place where you can collapse a multitude of experiences, lived experiences, culture, desire, preferences, all these things, all these things that make us who we are. It becomes a place where those things can be mitigated and represented within their complexities without being itemized in a way that sometimes language forces us to do. And I think art provides a space for the rawness of our being to exist. And that the work of artists oftentimes is to find themselves in that and to figure out how to navigate that space for themselves. And in doing that as a collective, I think at times we represent right now. Yeah, I love art. I've really appreciated this conversation. And this is our final question. What do you feel is your role as an artist? There was a time where I felt that it was to represent concerns or a series of issues or to bring to light something. And I think it, in, in the last almost eight to 10 years, I've had this realization that maybe I don't agree with that. And maybe my role is to try to aim to be the best human that I can be. And that part of that for me is being an artist. And that as long as I keep in mind that we are more alike than we are different, then the things that are problems and concerns for me are very well problems and, and, and concerns for others. And that the role of being an artist is being true to those things and allowing a way for those challenges, those concerns, what have you, to manifest themselves in how we make. And I think that can take the form of different things. For some artists, I, I do feel like it's very much at the forefront of, of their practice, and it, and it shows up in the images that they paint. It shows up in the way they approach the process of making their imagery, if there's no image there per se. 
But I, I do think that I process the world around me in various ways and, and it's always changing. But I think being connected in that way for me is my role. Well, thank you. Thank you for the work you do. And I'm glad that we were introduced. Yes. And, and I'm excited to feature you. So thank you very much for your time. And thank you. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram. 